Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. I'm Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. We help hiring managers win the right hires. We share insights from top-forming rebel entrepreneurs, disruptors, and industry experts like our guest today, Ms. Stephanie Paul, who is the founder and head of training and development of the Executive Storyteller Academy. Stephanie takes great pride in coaching, developing executives, sales team, TEDx speakers, women in leadership, and all kinds of experts to become master communicators. In fact, she has a proven approach, Power Emotional Engaging Presentations, which draws upon her years of rich, diverse entertainment experiences. She is a certified trainer using five science-based assessments for behavior and communication using psychology and neuroscience, which is what makes Stephanie the perfect expert for today's topic. Stephanie, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today. My God, was that an introduction. I know, and (laughs) I probably need to take your class. (laughs) Today, we're going to discuss why Communicating your story is so critical for your hiring process through the tenure of your employee. Plus, we're going to provide a three-step method for maximizing your communication. So I'm plan today? Yes. You look surprised. I'm just listening. <laughs> All these good things that we I have no idea. You're on the hot seat. Let's go. Yeah. Let's talk about communication. Communicating effectively during an interview is usually riddled with assumptions, bias, and surfacey content. Rarely is communication deliberate and on purpose. And I see this quite often with companies that I talk to and feedback that I get from potential employers that come in to interview at a company. Would you agree or disagree with that? Absolutely agree with that. Good. Why? People will spend money on an amazing stage and wonderful production or a really fancy slide deck and a marketing team, all that kind of promo, prep, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But they don't spend the time and the energy on listening to you and your behavior as an audience member and me showing up as the presenter or speaker or engager of that audience member what my behavior is and those kind of things people sort of just roll out of bed in the morning and go and think that that's like do you know what we're yeah, going there, with this there's like, hardly any preparation that goes into it and there's no plan as we all know when you fail to plan you yeah. should plan to fail yeah thank you benjamin franklin <laughs> <laughs> and if you think you can, you can. And if you think you can't, you can't. Thank you, Henry Ford. All right, we're throwing out quotes. I okay. love it. <laughs> do or do not, there is no try. That was Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What challenges do you see in your work with some of your customers as far as how they communicate, how they tell their story, how they engage people and effectively get them to communicate right? Like what, what are the issues that you see there? In regards to recruiting and things like that, as well as from my clients, I see very similar things all the time because we're human beings. We have biology. It's very similar. I have a client of mine who is a doctorate in psychology. She's a criminal forensic psychologist. We were going to court one day to see her on the stand and discuss the way she showed up on the stand. On the drive out there, I said to her, you know, if we looked at human beings being big cats like lions and tigers and leopards and panthers and things like that, I said, have you ever seen a tiger with duck feet? And she said, no, it doesn't exist. So we're all some type of big cat. You know what I'm saying? So our biology as human beings doesn't have duck feet. We do fall into categories of psychology and categories of behaviors. According to the experts, there are over 4,000 behaviors that we exhibit as human beings. If you want to learn how to read them, that might
might take you some time. Regardless of the problem, we have to communicate. So whether it's a job interview or recruitment or a presentation, we have to communicate with our biology because that's what we have. Sure. We're human. So we have a brain and we have behaviors and we have listening and responding. And that's essentially what you should be looking at versus freaking out about what you're going to say. Let's talk a little bit about that because I find that a lot of times when people go into an interview or they're engaging with their employees that they already have, they're not necessarily sharing who they are. There's lack of vulnerability. It's a lot about being transactional, getting the work done. And that's really it. Let's transition that to story because your story is important. If I'm a CEO of a company, I don't really think that anybody's too interested in the fact that where my funding comes from or how cool my product is. I think they're more interested in me as a leader Mm -hmm. and what value I can bring to the table and how I'm going to take that vision that we have to where we're destined to go. And it's just like Simon Sinek says, which is people don't buy what you do or how you do it. They buy why you do it. They buy into your why. And so understanding a little bit about where your why comes from and who you are and why you've decided to be here today, what motivates you. Those are the kind of conversations you want to be having so that you can see if there's a connection there because people are very tribal. They want to know, oh, you've had that experience? Me too. So if you're not willing to be vulnerable and as Brene Brown, famous vulnerability speech on TED Talks, it's very hard to connect to you. So we put up all these fronts thinking we have to be perfect and it's 100% BS. People don't connect to your successes. They connect to your messes. They connect to the things that are maybe not perfect. And so they go, oh, I have had that experience too. So your story is really important in order to engage and connect to another person or an audience so that we can see our similarities and we can decide whether we're going to be tribal and connected in that way. That's a great point. So being real is really what you need to be able to bring out. To a point though. You don't want to come out and say, hey, I'm going through a divorce. My life is shit and everything's terrible right now. Exactly. And there are things that distract us and disturb us. And for example, there's a lot of virtual meetings at the moment and I think a lot of people don't realize what actually distracts the brain that they might have going on in the background or they might get a little nervous and start shuffling papers or moving a glass or whatever that is and they're not focusing on the person they're talking to and I've also noticed with a lot of the virtual meetings that I've been involved in since COVID people don't look in the barrel of the camera on your computer they look at the person because we connect through our eyes but we can't do that on a computer I can't look at your eyes if I'm looking at your face I can look at your eyes if I'm looking down the barrel of the camera. And that's how you want to start focusing on your virtual meetings so that people feel like they're being seen and looked at. Setting up your virtual meetings where your camera is right above your main screen where you have the pictures is really important. Mm -hmm. And not looking at the person's face, looking at the camera because then they feel like you're looking at them. It's a funny story. I did a video conversation with you the other day and you're like, where are you looking? I run three monitors. I have two that sit up above and I'm running off my camera on my laptop. You kept looking at me going, where are you looking? I it was think super you said distracting. You me out on yeah. that, right? And you're right. It probably was really distracting. But I was looking at you and I was engaging with you, but I just wasn't looking at you. Think about it from this perspective. You're being interviewed by maybe a recruiter or a CEO of a company that could be hiring you. And their biology thinks that you're not connecting to them because you're not looking down the barrel of the camera. You're looking at their face on the screen. So we need to rethink the way we're looking at each other virtually because otherwise it doesn't connect emotionally with our brains. That's a great point if you're looking for a job right now. A lot of interviews are video interviews. 
Mm-hmm. That's pretty much what most companies are doing. Yeah. If you're doing a video interview, have it on the screen where it looks like you're engaging with that person. Mm-hmm. So practice with your friends or whatever, having conversations, looking down the barrel of the camera. That's a good boom moment. I like yeah, that. Yeah. All right. We'll drop the mic on that one. Okay. Let's flip it back to the company. Why is it really important to the company that we focus more in on that piece? Well, I think it builds community and culture and people think I want to be involved in this culture. I mean, culture is very important in today's world. One of my clients, he's like, I have to get off. We were sort of running over time one day and he's like, I've got a five o'clock happy hour with some of my colleagues on Zoom. And I was like, that is so weird to me, but I get it. But that is the culture part of it. And I think where we feel like we can be accepted and we can be vulnerable, it also means we can have some of those tough conversations. If you can feel like you can connect to someone in initial meetings in the hiring process, you can probably think, oh, okay, later down the road, I can step up and raise my hand and have some input and all that kind of thing, not just do my job. I think the virtual happy hours, which I've had experience with a couple of my clients that are virtual companies that have been doing it for years. But I think that's such a critical thing because we need to socialize. We're tribal animals. We have to have that interaction. We have to know that we've got community and support out there. Otherwise, especially with COVID right now, people feel isolated and alone and that is not healthy for our biology in any way shape no, or form not at all all right you're listening to the higher power radio show i'm rick gerard and for our podcast listeners we're going to take a quick educational moment from our sponsors check out stridesearch.com there you'll find additional content and resources to help you land the strongest hires our guest today is stephanie paul stephanie is the founder and head of training and development for the executive storyteller academy also if her voice sounds familiar she also (laughs) is the voice of higher power thank you by the way so much for doing that i know i thanked you a hundred times but i'm going to do it in public oh thank you now that we know that communication is important let's walk through you have a methodology that you work through that you teach your clients that help them to do this. So let's put that into action. Working with my clients and my clients aren't all just speakers and presenters and trainers. Sometimes I go in and do cultural stuff with organizations and build their culture and the way they communicate with each other. And I discovered that after several years, I was working backwards. We would look at the content and the speech or the slide deck or the messaging or whatever that was first. And I was like, but that doesn't make any difference what all that stuff is, because at the end of the day, if it's not delivered well and it's not received well, you may as well been just reciting a poem from a limerick or a rhyme because we don't connect to the content per se without the two components of you and us the audience being looked after your audience is anybody that you're engaging with you're talking to actually i've heard speakers say the content that you write is not as important as the engagement that you have or that relationship that you have with the audience the way i look at it is very simple if you've ever been to a wedding or a funeral or a very important gathering where maybe people are emotional about something and somebody gets up unprepared no notes no content, no slide deck, nothing like that. And they get up and they say a few words and they take us on this emotional journey that through a story and experience and we laugh and we cry and everyone's like, oh my God, that was so amazing. Oh, I didn't even plan to speak, you know, kind of deal. That is the perfect example of why the audience and the messenger are the two most important things. What is said and prepared is not necessarily important if those two things aren't there. So I work with the U method. You. And that's the Y-O-U. Y-O-U. Yes, yeah. an acronym for a Y. Not E W E. Oh, you. Well, now it's not I feel the like... sheet method. No, not the sheet method. All right. <laughs> 
even though I'm from New Zealand originally. So the why represents know yourself. And I do a huge deep dive with my clients using the sciences and the neuroscience and the psychology on who they are and how they show up. And then we look at their mindset and their belief system. We do a whole plethora of stuff around that. Let's stick on why for a minute. Mm -hmm. Why do you need to know yourself? Why don't you just need to know your product and how to get things done? Because if you don't know yourself very well, you don't know how you're showing up. There's a thing called stimulus value. It's a psychology term. It's a very fancy term. It means how do I stimulate you versus how do you value that stimulation? I.e. how we judge each other. We judge each other in split seconds very quickly. If I'm not dressed like you or looking like you or whatever, then maybe you're going to feel a certain way. We're not going to feel like tribal members. Those kind of things are super important. So how you choose to show up and it is a choice because you can walk through the door of your office or your meeting and you can choose joy or you could have just got into a huge car accident and had an argument with somebody who has no insurance and you could bring that to the meeting with you because it's a residual emotional effect but you're upset about. The way we show up is a choice and if we haven't really done the work to understand ourselves it's very difficult to make those choices. I feel like there's a lot of us that go through life not really understanding ourselves because we're so focused in on work and getting Mm -hmm. the work done. When you're building a company your core values come down to who you are translates through to your culture. And here's another interesting thing, which I 100% believe, and I've heard a lot of behavioral experts say it, and psychologists that are in and around this area, that your values, whether you know them or not, will depict your behavior, and your behavior will therefore transition over to how I decide what I feel about you. So your actions do speak louder than your words, and whether you know your values or not, they underride your behavior. So I actually learned this several years ago when I started working with Dr. Betty Uribe, and she wrote the book hashtag values and she was big on the speaking circuit reading her book and learning all about values and I was like you know I, I don't really know my true values and I had to drill down and figure out what they were and Did you write them down yeah I have them written down there yeah on my website too they are education authenticity service courage love and fun and I approach everything I do with those values when you start with somebody first start with writing down what your values are mm-hmm. and then what question why why is this my value and why is this important well the other thing is is some people think Think they know their values. Like I've asked people, like, do you know what your values are? And they're like, yeah, sure. And like, what are they? Well, you know, trust, love. I mean, they make it up you know, out of thin air. And I'm like, well, do you behave that way every day? Do you bring that into everything that you do? I recently started asking clients or colleagues of mine, I say, do you think that I act upon my values? Do you think that that shows up in my behavior? And they're like, absolutely it does. So I think it really helps us show up when we know what our values are. And if you just value money over everything else, well, guess what? You're going to be going after the ROI consistently and not really caring too much about people, but it'll show in your behavior. And that translates to hire other people who have that same value. Mm -hmm. I have a client who does that. He uses the sciences that I use to hire his tribal members. (laughs) See, that's where I feel like a lot of assessments and everything are really good because when you're doing interviewing and it's a transactional process and you have a transactional model and your business is 100% ROI driven, Mm -hmm. that's a good thing because you can find people who are like-minded there. Mm -hmm. That's perfect. But when you're trying to build a culture and it's a little bit different, there's a little bit more touchy-feely element to it. Mm -hmm. You really need to have interview process in place that brings forth the evidence and then use those tools to support. EQ is a perfect example of that. Emotional intelligence. It translates to simplify the language from emotional quotient to emotional intelligence. And you can raise that. You can work on it. I feel like it's a hot buzzword and not a lot of people have it, but they look for it. It's interesting. I like to guess when my clients are doing the sciences 
is I like to sort of guess like there'll be all like this on the disc and their motivators might be that but motivators you can't see they're intrinsic inside internal and then EQ I can sometimes guess roughly what their EQ might be if I know them really well but when I first did my EQ and started down that road before I got certified I went through a 360 degrees I don't know if you know what that is I do yeah but explain to our audience a 360 degrees assessment is when all your employees or your close colleagues or my contractors anybody who'd worked with me of significance had to answer anonymous questions about me it's terrifying and one of the things that came back in in the training that I was doing was that I didn't have enough empathy and I was horrified I was absolutely horrified so I went on this journey to raise my EQ my emotional intelligence and I spent nine months working really hard I read a couple of books on it I became super focused on it like I have a thing called driving the car which means curiosity is a C A is awareness the other A is authenticity and R is the real values so when you want to shift or learn something new and you have to practice it first get curious about it then get aware about what's going wrong because you've got to change it practice inauthentic behavior in order to become authentic with the behavior okay and then what's the real value about it why is it valuable to you to shift or learn this new behavior or thing or whatever it is and that was eq for me so to raise my eq we've done the work on ourselves now we have an understanding of who we are where do we go next we begin to understand us, the audience, the you part. It stands for us, the audience. So once you understand yourself better, and mm-hmm. it's a work in progress, ladies and gentlemen, it's not something that's going to happen overnight. Like I think we can always improve on where we're at. And now neuroscience has taught us that neuroplasticity continues to grow and change until the day we die. So we can work on all those kind of fabulous things. We don't just give up when we turn 50. Thank God. I've been <laughs> out a year ago. <laughs> we need to understand other people's behaviors. We need to be able to read those behaviors. We need to be able to listen and really respond to what the audience is giving us back so that we know that we're actually giving a message that the audience wants to receive or if not shift gears a little bit I learned that in stand-up to do half an hour of stand-up comedy they say you've got to have at least an hour to an hour and a half of material so that if the audience is like "Mm, no we're not going there with you that's not very funny you can shift gears and go oh you don't want to joke about apples okay we'll talk about bears in the woods same thing You want to be able to shift gears with your audience. Like if I see something in you where I'm like, he's not going with me or he doesn't trust me or he doesn't value this and I've got to listen for, okay, that's not working for you. What's wrong? Not maybe as blatant or as blunt as that, but I need to shift with you or answer that query or that issue that you have. And you're going to show it, if not on your face, on your body. You pay attention to people's body language and their face. They'll tell you when they're bored. Their phones will tell you when they're bored. Physiologically, you might yawn or you might do something. You might start leaning back. There's a lot of things that happen in a conversation that make you, uh, he's checking out. Well, according to Joe Navarro, he was an FBI agent for 30 years and a behavioral expert. I've got three of his books and I was in a training of his back in February. Yawning is actually cooling your blood. It's not meaning that you're bored. So you shouldn't take somebody yawning as a... I've been schooled. (laughs) Contrary to popular belief, a lot of people think that this is closed off behavior, but it's actually comfort behavior. So he's got a wonderful way to express human behavior. Humans are either in comfort or discomfort. But their brains are always in fear assessing risk. And if you understand that, you're either looking for comfortable behavior or discomfort behavior. Does that make sense? When you're interviewing somebody and you're assessing your person who is your audience, what should you be looking for? Well, first of all, I think you want to make whoever's coming into the room as comfortable as possible so that they can feel comfortable enough to come out and be vulnerable and tell their story and feel like they can connect with you. And that means things like you don't necessarily 
necessarily want to have a, de- a desk between the two of you if you are meeting in person. You want to maybe have a couch and a chair and you sit down and it's a little bit more informal. A desk in between you is a barrier. If you're giving a speech with a podium, get rid of the podium. You don't want a barrier in between you and the audience. Yeah. So I guess if it's a virtual meeting, things like just showing up on time, treating the person as if you really care about the time that you're giving them for the interview, there's nothing worse than someone you've never met before being late and then treating you like you're just a little pleb. Even if you are the CEO and you are interviewing for someone, make them comfortable. People who go to interview, they want to buy into that person. You don't want to turn it into an inquisition. You want people to be bought in and engaged with you because those are the people who are going to perform best in your environment. Mm-hmm. I I hate that when I hear somebody, well, you know, I sit there and I grill them for an hour. Well, why would you grill somebody? You're putting somebody in fear. So you're probably not getting an accurate picture of whether or not that person's going to be able to thrive in your environment, whether or not they're going to react to your fear. Yeah, it was actually funny. I was reading Mark Bowden's book this morning. It's How to Tame the Primitive Brain in 28 Days, because he's going to be one of my guests on my webinar. In the book, he talks about if you got an email and the subject title was like, I want to talk to you tomorrow at 3.30, and that's it. The brain suddenly goes, well, mine, I know this for sure. The brain goes, oh my God, I'm in trouble. Why am I in trouble? What have I done wrong? I'm going to the principal's office. This particular time in our lives with COVID and everything, the brain does not like open-ended situations. It likes closure. It likes to know what's coming next. The brain will always finish your story for you if you don't finish it, believe me. What's going on right now, we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what's coming next. We don't know what the new normal is. So everybody's freaking out because our biology doesn't have an answer. So it's the same thing. So you want to set it up so that somebody feels comfortable walking into that environment so they kind of have an idea of where it's going to go what can you pre-give them before that meeting so that it can be clear and comfortable and go smoothly let's go to the o really quickly because we're running oh sorry on time yes so the o would be the overall objective i consider that the content so whatever that content is whatever that story you want to tell you want to write it out make it succinct so it's not waffly off and off onto tangents and things like that if you have to prepare a document you know make it succinct make it deliver the information that you need but also make it emotional because we make our decisions a hundred percent emotional. The information comes into your limbic brain, goes over to your neocortex, and the neocortex says, hmm, okay, this is a logical idea, but how do I feel about that? Goes back to the limbic brain. So until you make a decision, your limbic brain is heavily involved with your neocortex, making that decision emotionally, regardless of what it is. That sounds really interesting and super complex, and I have to read about the neocortex now. Thank you. What are two or three key takeaways that you can give the audience that can plug into their business today? I think whatever form of communication that you approach, whether that's a virtual meeting, whether that's a slide, deck whether that's whatever that is always check in and know yourself first know how you want to show up know the results that you want to achieve understand the behavior if you want to bring joy into the room make sure that you are super joyous before you walk into that room if you want everybody to be happy at the end of the meeting well make sure that you're happy and you're smiling we're not talking about the the negative stuff or whatever that is so understand yourself and understand how you are going to deliver whatever that message is then understand your audience and know where you want to take them and then listen to them through the journey of the conversation and then figure out what you want to say. And with that, we're just about out of time for today's show. Stephanie, thanks so much for your time investment today. And I want to welcome you to the Higher Power Radio community again. Thank you. Now, what would be the best way in which members of our community can find you and find out some more about your training? 
I'd love for you to follow me on Instagram at Executive Storytellers. And then we have a Facebook group that you can find us at, Executive Storytellers Facebook group. And we're going to have, as we're building it right now, because we launch the Executive Storyteller Academy in late September, and we're in the process of doing all that online training video content there. So just reach out to me, LinkedIn, Stephanie, Paul Inc. on LinkedIn. Well, I want to thank our listening audience for tuning into this week's episode of Higher Power. A quick thanks to our team, Christopher Decker, Andrea Ballin, and Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share. We love your feedback, and we're trying to make the show much better for you. You can join the Higher Power Radio community at Higher, that's H-I-R-E, Power, P-O-W-E-R, Radio, R-A-D-I-O.com, or you can drop me an email at rickatstridesearch.com. Tune in next Tuesday. Our guest is going to be Jay Conver. He is the founder and CEO of Learning Over. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you've been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power Radio. Catch our LinkedIn Live Show every Tuesday at noon or download the podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, or your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you joining us on Higher Power Radio with your guide to recruitment success, Rick Gerard.